Episode 4 of the Music for Ministry Podcast. Welcome to the Music for Ministry Podcast, providing an in-depth look at the ministry of music through the lives of music leaders today. Hello, and welcome to the Music for Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, David West, and this is the podcast for those who are passionate about ministering with music. We're here today with Alan Lohr, who is the handbell editor for Soundforth, now a division of the Lorenz Corporation. Alan conducts two university handbell ensembles at Bob Jones University, and he also leads a community handbell ensemble called the Carolina Bronze. Before we begin our interview, let's look at today's musical resource. Check out this week's valuable musical resource. Let me recommend to you a great website called The Church Pianist at thechurchpianist.com. If you minister as a pianist, you definitely want to check it out. Jennifer Cook has provided a wonderful resource to help the average church pianist take their playing to the next level. She teaches the skills necessary to improvise hymns and how to go beyond playing what is written in the hymnal to hymn styling. There's also a good number of free arrangements for the beginner to the advanced player, and every week you'll find something of value. Be sure to give the site a visit. You can find a link to her website at graceforall.com forward slash music for ministry. Let's head right over to our interview. We're here today with Alan Lohr. He's the handbell editor for Soundforth Music, also composer and arranger. Uh, welcome to our show this morning. Well, thank you. So can you tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in south-central Iowa? A farming community. I grew up just a few miles north of the Missouri line. And first 10 years of my life, I lived on a farm and learned how to drive a tractor, would run after my dad when he was plowing fields and catch field mice keep them in the mailbox when they have to be called in for lunch and then go back out and play with them. So I grew up on the farm for the first 10 years of my life, and then my father had health problems and he passed away. So I was uh, part of a, a single-parent home for the rest of my teenage years until my mother remarried after senior year in high school. So then we, we moved to a small a town, small town in, in South Iowa, just a little bit away from where I grew up. would ride my bicycle around, around town. They had a square... I uh, got my first job working in a grocery store, stocking bread, became a cashier, swam a lot uh, in the summertime, wintertime, just stuck around the high school and stuff like that, lived just a few blocks from the school. Mm-hmm. So it was just a quiet, quiet Midwestern life. So was that a public high school? It's a public high school. Starting where I was, I, I started in a small country kind of school, then I went to the, the county school, and then... We, they consolidated again and went back to another small school. So back and forth between the, it was all in the same county, but started basically after my father passed away. I went to the, to the, the larger school, uh, late elementary, junior high, high school. And growing up a few blocks from the, from the high school, could always hear the band practicing and football music and, and stuff for the programs, halftime things. Got to go to a lot of the high school ball games and, and things like that as a young young person. So music has always been an important so interest in your life. It, it really has, and I don't know where I really got the interest. I remember when on the farm, my mother was always singing with the radio, 
then she found a piano and got one in the house and got my sister and I taking lessons, and I absolutely hated piano lessons. When it first started, my sister would play, and then I would play her all her stuff after I'd hear her play it, so I just would play it by ear. My piano teacher thought I was really pretty good, but I was just mimicking what I'd heard. And so I finally talked my mother out of making me take piano lessons, and then that's when I started to play, because I could play what I wanted to play. And I would play everything my sister would play, and then I would play other things that were interest to me. Then I actually felt like I should really learn what I was doing, so I took lessons again late, late junior high, high school, started playing again. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Uh, well, it was a good home. It wasn't a Christian home as far as um, where we heard the gospel preached in a church. Um, it was a denominational church. I did hear the gospel when I was little. I didn't realize that I was hearing it because uh, salvation was never emphasized. But when my mother met my stepfather, uh, he took us to a gospel-believing church. And that's where I really first heard about the saving grace of, of the Lord. All right. As a young person, was there someone in your life that influenced you in the direction of music? or The most influential one was uh, the, my band director. Had had good musical standards, encouraged me to keep playing. Uh, I started out as a trombone player. Wanted to play saxophone, but we couldn't afford a saxophone, and my aunt had played trombone in, in high school, and there was a trombone in the family, so that's why I started playing trombone. He, he encouraged me to do that and really helped me even have a love for band music, instrumental music, and uh, I was going to be a band director. That, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. So that was your childhood dream. Then. It was, yeah. Well, what about your involvement in the local church and in the music of ministry? How have you contributed there? Well, until I was... Um, when I when I was just growing up, I, I really didn't invo- wasn't involved much in the church. I'd sing in the, in the uh, children's choir, and I was a boy soprano, and I'd always sing in the Christmas programs and things like that. But again, this was a denominational church, so it was just the regular programs that they would have. After I became a Christian, we started going to uh, this the Bible church that we went to. Since I knew how to play the piano, and I was playing the piano at school for, for the choirs and stuff like that. They tapped into my sources, and I learned how to play hymns. I learned how to play um, lots of Christian uh, gospel songs and, and that type of thing. I uh, did not know about any kind of improvisation until after my freshman year at Bob Jones. Heard heard those people playing the piano like that and felt like I really need to learn that. So I started um, getting as much as I possibly could from, from those teachers and and started to play that way. When did your love for handbells develop? I was introduced to handbells my first year, first teaching position uh, at Pillsbury, when Pillsbury existed. And uh, I went to Pillsbury. I was the instrumental music department my first year. I did all the band and, and instrumental ensembles. I taught some private piano. I taught some music appreciation classes. And I accompanied one of the men's groups. We were traveling one semester with the handbell choir. One of the ringers couldn't go, and the director of the handbell choir asked me if I would at least give it a shot. Ready for tour and needed a ringer, so I said, sure, why not? And after that, I was sort of hooked. So you had an opportunity at some point to uh, try your hand at arranging? Yeah. my first I guess my first arranging, trying to arrange things, was when basically when I schooled as a music major, um, would sing in groups or play in a group, and someone would say, oh, we need a song. So I would help arrange, sort of put together something 
for a quartet or a duet or something like that that I could accompany. And then um, when I was student teaching, my band director uh, had a drum and bugle corps, and he wanted to somehow get the drum and bugle corps involved with the band. So I adapted and arranged some things for the drum and bugle corps and band to play together. So I really got going in that respect. My master's work, instead of doing a, a master's thesis, I did composition. And so I had good, good training from Dr. Gustafson at the university. And then when I went to Pillsbury, I started arranging for all my brass groups and for the summer ensembles that would, would travel and really got really into arranging at that point. I know outside of that, you also had uh, compiled or edited some band music for Soundforth, put it into a collection that we've used in our school. Okay. How uh, how did that come about? Was that someone's uh, okay, was idea? It, yeah, but, well, you're talking about the Four More series, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, I, I we did um, felt like that we had a lot of people giving us phone calls that we needed this we need some music, but we don't have a full ensemble. And so we decided if we did some quartet-style arrangements and made them where the parts would be easily attainable by several different types of instruments or pulling together different styles that, or different instruments together, that we'd be able to uh, put some arrangements together. So at that point, after we did a few of those on single titles, um, one summer, I just decided, well, I, I'm just going to do a whole collection of them. So that was one of my summer projects I'd created for myself, to do a whole collection of them. All right. Well, I know Soundforth has uh, changed over the last few months. Can you uh, just tell us how uh, it's changed? I understand that Soundforth is now a part of Lorenz. Yes. Um, probably about April of 2012, the school decided that they wanted to sell Soundforth, and um, so they put out uh, notice that that they were going to be sold. Or we did everything that we could to figure out what could we do to salvage the company. And uh, Lorenz had before expressed an interest in being uh, our sole distributor for our music. And when they found out that we were for sale, they approached the the university about possibility of purchasing that. So they, they purchased Soundforth, they purchased the, the trademark and, and everything that we do. So now at this point, uh, Soundforth is under is a division of the Lorenz Music Corporation. Currently, we have the choral line, the keyboard line, and the handbell line going. And instrumental line, I think, is on tap to, to start up again. But um, that's where we are at this point. So our Soundforth products are available through Lorenz and, and other distributors than that purchase them from them. Right. With, and the direction of the company, Lorenz specifically wants the direction of the company to remain where it was and, and under the same kind of um, auspices or the same style of arrangements we were doing, same direction, and it wasn't a, an idea of changing us, but just we were a, a great music source for, for the people that we were already serving. I know as, uh, as you worked for Soundforth, part of your responsibilities was to do the music engraving, how has your job tasks or description changed since uh, Lorenz? Uh, ac actually, and maybe they don't want to hear this, or I shouldn't let them hear this, but it's almost become easier. Um, I, I'm responsible for 
acquiring and editing all the handball publications for Soundforth and expanding that catalog. Uh, my goal was always to try and make that a, a larger catalog or part of, of Soundforth, and so Lorenz wants that to happen. So I'm able to, to go out and find more arrangers. So I acquire and edit their work and then, then do the typesetting for, for just the handbell things. And then once we get that ready, then I send it up to the corporate offices for the final production. As far as your work with handbells, you direct two of the university handbell choirs? I direct two university handbell choirs. One we call the ensemble, and it's um, a lot of our music ed people or music people have to have a um, an ensemble credit in if they're music people for graduation purposes. And so they don't play n- another instrument. They play piano, but they that's not a group activity. And they don't f- feel like they can sing. So I get some of those people that, that want to be in an ensemble, but that that's the one that they would have picked. So they learn a new skill. Often I get uh, piano pedagogy people who who really want to to do that type of thing, and they make great handbell players. And so I, that's one of my groups. And so I get a big mix in that group of those who've never rung before, those who sometimes have rung. Uh, then I have a concert choir, which is an audition group, and they're the ones that travel for the university, do um, concerts away from campus and things like that. Both groups do a recital in the spring. Uh, we also do a Christmas program. And then um, several years ago, I had a, a bug to, to develop or put together a community ensemble. So I have a community group that I've had now for a little over 10 years, made up of um, school educators, business people. I have an organ tuner. I've had some doctors and lawyers and accountants and engineers. So I have a lot of mix of people who, who've rung bells in the past and just really want to really ring. And so we have a community group that goes out now. What's the community group called? The community group is called Carolina Bronze. Well, who, who came up with the name Carolina Bronze? I guess I did. There were like four or five of us who were the initial core, and we just sort of threw things around, and then we finally decided. So I don't know who actually came up with the final name, but it was one of the ones that we had played around with. So, And it fit um, being from South Carolina, and uh, bronze is some of the ensemble thing or some of the conventions and things that you go to with handbell things are either copper tins or bronze levels, and so we decided we'd be the bronze, Carolina bronze. So what kind of handbells do you use at the college? Uh, at the university, we use the um, the Malmark handbells, which are made in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, the other American-made uh, bell is the Schumerich, uh from the Schumerich company, in, also made in Pennsylvania. So those are the two main ones that are manufactured in the U.S. Mm-hmm. What about the uh, community handbell choir? Where do they own their own set? Uh, we don't own our own set. We are actually playing on a borrowed set. And uh, so we also play Malmarks and and Malmark chimes, and that's a lot of community choirs end up doing that. They play on borrowed sets, and eventually they try to earn enough money where they can buy their own sets. When you play in a community group like that, do you have special outfits or a special dress attire for your concerts? Uh, some groups do. Some groups uh, really go all out, uh, tuxedos and sequin blouses and things like that. With my orchestra choir and band background, I just have them play in orchestra black. So we let we try to let the bells shine instead of us. 
Right. And for maybe a, a church ministry who c- cannot afford the handbells, are there any alternatives to that? There, uh, several years ago, both of the American companies developed a, uh, an instrument called a, a choir chime or a hand chime. And uh, those are aluminum and cheaper in the, in the aspect that uh, you don't have to have all of the equipment that you need for bells. Uh, you don't have to have the tables and the pads. They could actually have uh, one or two people just holding one or two chimes. Um, they're quite a bit, quite a bit cheaper, and a great way for schools and churches to get started in a in a bell program. Our church uh, uses the Suzuki mm-hmm. tone chimes. We found them to be pretty nice for learning and using it in our education at our Christian school as well. We found great benefit in that. Is there anything you could suggest to churches as far as developing a program like that? Who who to contact or or um, where they should go to for information? Uh, you can always go to the manufacturers. Uh, Suzuki is, is one. They, they're a Japanese company that make the, the uh, tone chimes. Uh, Malmark makes acquire chimes. Schulmerich makes them, um, the melody chimes or hand chimes. I forget what they actually call theirs. I use Malmark products, so that's what I'm familiar with. You can go to their websites, look, uh, Google them uh, for hand chimes, or you could go to the Handbell uh, Musicians of America site, which used to be the um, American Guild of Handbell Ringers. They've changed the name lately. Lots of areas or lots of people in, in that organization that can help you. There's uh, Every summer there's a national convention. Or um, contact me. Since I still work part-time at Bob Jones, I have a, an email address that can get, get me there, and I, and I answer a lot of those kind of questions all the time. Good. I know you've been a great help to me in our music ministry. So what is your contact information so others could contact you? Well, my my school address is alohr at bju.edu. Or if you want to get a hold of me through my, uh, what we I'm using as my Lorenz email address, it's soundforthbells, as one word, at gmail.com. I appreciate your time and the ministry that you have. Thank you. It has uh, really been a benefit to our ministry. We'll uh, continue to look and see what you're doing that will help uh, maybe better our Christian school and church in the future. All right, great. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for the time. This brings us to the end of the Music for Ministry podcast. You can find links and program notes to our show at graceforall.com forward slash music for ministry. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to tell your friends about it and do me a favor, head over to iTunes and give us a rating and give a review and also feel free to subscribe to the podcast. Have a great day and make music for ministry your passion too. The music for ministry podcast is a production of Grace for All Publications. 